Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash using your power. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Today, I'd like to recommend a book directly from my essential business book list, and it's called Book Yourself Solid, second edition, the fastest, easiest, and most reliable system for getting more clients than you can handle, even if you hate marketing and selling by Michael Port. Welcome to usingyourpower.com. Who are you? I'm Avin. And I'm David. And why are we here today? <laughs> we're going to talk about some stuff. Awesome. And we're going to talk about something you brought to me, a specialist, generalist, and a hybrid. That's right. And it's interesting. I had to ask you, uh, you know, what is it you want to talk about? Because uh, I wasn't really sure the direction you want to go with this particular um, podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I brought it to you because I think a lot of people think about becoming an expert in something, maybe getting their education, going into a high paying job, like being a lawyer or a doctor. Some people maybe aspire to that, but don't necessarily have the focus and the skill set or the experience to, to get into that. And maybe they experience a variety of things through their school experience. I know some people that spent probably more than six, seven or eight years in college, just kind of drifting along, not really deciding on any one thing, but could potentially make them good generalists. So and I also talked to my friend Amos, who I guess his mentor asked him, do you want to be a specialist or a generalist? Somebody who's like really great at maybe one or two things, or do you want to be someone that, that is only good at a few things? And his answer was, I absolutely want to be a specialist and, and great at one, one or two things. Wow. You know, that's an interesting thing because it's very hard for a lot of people to answer, you know, what do they want to do? And, you know, with so many opportunities uh, available to us in this world and in this lifetime, it, you know, it's very interesting that someone can uh, find just that one thing to be a specialist in and uh, continue to be that specialist for the rest of their life. Right. So, I mean, kudos to him if, if he knows he can do it and be that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm for him, even though I've never met him. That's true. And like there are studies indicating that options aren't necessarily the best thing options can kind of stress us out and it can make it really hard to decide on, on any one thing i know other specialists in my life i won't name any names but like guitarists for example who got really amazing at guitar throughout their lifetime but you know ended up not pursuing that they pursued it to a point but ended up not going with it even though they could have taken it much further than 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 they actually ended up taking it so sometimes it doesn't necessarily end the way that you hope it well, like you could say, I'm going to become a, a specialist in the specific as aspect of business. We'll say like spreadsheets, but like spreadsheets could <laughs> go obsolete in the next 10, 20, 30 years. Like most business accounting is like going into the a cloud, it, even if it's not accounting, like the purpose of a spreadsheet is, is often being, you know, taken over by other pieces of software and automation and things like that. So you, you also have to choose wisely. That's part of it as well. Right. You know, and the idea 
idea of choice. I like that because, you know, just look at a simple example. Go to a rest, any restaurant you go to, right? I mean, they have the appetizer section, then they have their burgers, and then they have their pasta, and then they have their drinks, and then they have, you know, a bunch of other sections as well and create your own pizza. And there's so much choice. And sometimes if you don't really know what you want, it can be very confusing and overwhelming. And, you know, if I like the idea of what you said, you know, if you if you continue to think that you're going to, you know, excel in what you're doing and as the world keeps changing around you, you're going to understand those choices that you have to make are probably going to get even harder and harder to make. Uh, so, you know, I'm hoping that uh, analogy of the uh, the menu at the restaurant can make some sense. Yeah. And I think a few, you know, simple examples for people, you know, what home do you want? What's your dream car? You know, choosing a spouse or somebody that you want to spend your life with. I think those are all fairly relatable examples for most people when it, when they think about this idea of, of a specialist. And I think that's where we wanted to start. So I'll just simply define it as saying it's somebody who has dedicated themselves to the study and craft, usually of a single thing. Maybe you know, on occasion you would call somebody who's a specialist as good at two things or three things, whether it's comedy or some kind of instrument like we talked about earlier or building websites or design. There are so many things to specialize in, could be in, in medical science and things like that too. In the corporate environment, you know, specialists can be rented or contracted. So what that means is instead of hiring them on full time, they could just be outsourced for specific contracts or jobs or one time assignments. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, being a specialist, at least in the corporate environment, might not be to your benefit, even if it is more so as a freelancer or a business owner. But even the problem is like automation software and AI and even robots could actually threaten and change the livelihood of specialists. Right. You know, and, and that's exactly pretty close to my example. Right. So uh, I said, you know, it's not bad to be a specialist. You know, if you're looking at being a doctor, an accountant, a lawyer, uh, you know, these are all great jobs to have if, if you're doing that right. You know, being a scientist, uh, you know, working for a NASA space program. These are all jobs that are very interesting to have. Um, but, you know, exactly, you know, if, like, you know, your example of being a consultant uh, is actually the one I wrote down as well. But it's nice when you're a consultant because you're known to be the person that has a lot of knowledge. You can really help other people, you know, you get paid for your uh, expertise and you get paid for your knowledge and people pay you quite a bit for your time because they know what you're going to do for them and to maybe help their business or help their website or help their, uh, you know, the growth and income uh, a potential of their business right in the future. But the one thing that I've always thought about is eventually all specialists, I believe, will become generalists, just like you were saying, through AI uh, and artificial, you know, um, and stuff like that because of automation. So, or they'll just become obsolete. Or they become obsolete, right, exactly. You know, um, a couple years, you know, maybe a couple, but maybe a decade ago now, we've been hearing about how jobs have been going overseas, you know, as well, right? So the tax accountant in the U.S. that was excited to make $70,000, $80,000 a year, those jobs are going to places like China, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, India, if I didn't say that. And those people are doing the same job, if not better, for a fraction of the cost, right? So if those jobs aren't being lost to other to you know people in your own country those are now being lost to people overseas right so although you are a specialist you're great at what you did you went to school you spent all that money people in other countries have done the exact same thing and they're willing to do the same work you're doing yeah. if not better for a lot less money so that's why i say eventually even a specialist will become a generalist because then you'll have to continue to learn 
Yeah, overseas outsourcing was much a much bigger threat when you know the four hour work week became more popular because all of a sudden people were alerted to this idea of outsourcing and some of the attitudes around that have changed over time just because you can't necessarily get the same quality of work as somebody who's like a native English speaker or you know maybe they don't understand your business as well as somebody who lives here or culturally there's some differences so the thinking around that has changed somewhat I know there's still plenty of people that are leveraging overseas outsourcing so that things are, are cheaper but I think it, it's now becoming applied to even specialists within the country you know now they're being rented and contracted instead of being hired on full-time or given those long-term contracts or job security you know there are a couple of ways in which I think of myself as a specialist in the sense that you know most of the freelance writing work that I do I know that's that's something that may not be around forever for the time being. It's still a high, very high demand, but I'm I'm thinking about how to future proof that. Music is sort of similar in that, you know, you can be a guitarist, but I mean there are so many guitarists, and probably if you want to be a specialist in the music industry, you you would pursue something being more rare, like a multi instrumentalist. And those it's hard to find really great multi instrumentalists. Gee, imagine why you have to play many different instruments and master them. Right. Wow. Uh, great example, David. And you know, um, you're right, and especially with computers as well, right? I mean, a lot of times now, robots are being able to do work that um, humans are doing, right? So I love that example that you gave with the music because what's stopping us from being able to program robots and, and our computers to make the instrumentals that we need, right? We have the technology to do it, right? So it's, it's, it's all it is is an algorithm and uh, programming that algorithm and having the robots then make that music. Yeah, I mean, can they make it better than we can? Potentially, right? Can they make it just as heartfelt? I think so, mm-hmm. right? So just like also, if you look at uh, the news these days, right? Uh, we'll talk, we hear about this fake news and the real news. And that's been oh, a huge, huge topic, discussion. right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, and that's another thing, right? So I, I was reading an article a while back and they're talking about how a lot of the... the the, the articles that are re- written by the journalists are not actually written by journalists. They're actually being written by, you know, uh, computer programs or robots mm. um, that are writing articles better than uh, humans. So then you have to start looking at, you know, the jobs that were specialists for the journalists, you know, being able to show up and, and you know, write a great article. That same job can now be done by a computer way better, way faster. And their computer is able to use way more references than you'll ever be able to use uh, in, in one hour to write an article then you know and they'll do it way better than you yeah i think that's what we're what we're beginning to find i think in large part the business reports that have been so often propagated on the internet could pretty easily be written by ai at this point or we're at least fast coming to that point where, where that's happening so you know this is something to definitely practice outside the box thinking or foresight on so that you're thinking ahead as to how you're either going to future-proof your business or how you're going to transition and pivot into something else entirely. You know, I think Jenny Blake talked about the idea of, of uh, pivoting. So I agree with her on the point that we have to be prepared and ready for when we do need to pivot. There are some other things that I don't necessarily agree on, but I would love to ask her about maybe in the future on the podcast and see what her, what her thoughts on are on that. Because... She was talking a little bit about runway and how much money you would have left between the time that you start pivoting and when you actually pivot. And I think that's sort of a bad way to live your life just because you're never going to save 
anything. And the whole point is to invest and save and build towards a, a future where you can actually live comfortably instead of being dead or broke by 65. Right. And, you know, that's an interesting comment you made because I know we're going to be doing an episode on uh, the money and banking and yeah. it's coming up very soon. So uh, keep an, uh, you know, an ear out for it, not an eye out for it. Um, but, you know, that's a great question. I mean, I'd love to pick her brain on these questions as well because I think yeah. these are some really valid points that, you know, we all kind of grow up listening to and we all try to learn, uh, you know, a little bit more about that. And the other thing I, I liked what you uh, kind of are alluding to as well is uh, just because you're a specialist today doesn't mean in 18 to 20 years from now, somebody else is not going to be a better specialist than you are, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, as we keep aging, uh, you know, maybe your motor skills aren't as good as they used to be, right? Especially if you're a surgeon, you need to make sure your eyes are great, your hands are, you know, not going to shake when you're doing these surgeries. And as you get older, other people are coming into the industry and they're getting, they're going to be better than you. Uh, you know, they're going to be able to do the work better than you as well. Uh, and, you know, you have to learn that maybe one day you'll become obsolete, you know. Uh, can the, can a computer do an operation better than a human? I don't mm. know, but we mm. can definitely use computers to uh, and robots to build cars. So why couldn't they eventually work on us? Uh, you know, we're going back to one of our episodes with the uh, science and technology, we had same type of idea, right? We were uh, talking about, uh, you know, build, you know, if, if you were talking about in that episode about 3D printing and yeah. if we were to be able to print a, a 3D heart or an organ, you know, um, then do we really need... Um, you know, people, if we can just get one person to program it and then leave it and you have maybe, you know, instead of a hundred people working now, you have only 10 people needed at this company because all you really need is the computers to build it and, you know, the people to pack it, right? So it, it can start taking away from jobs too if you only have a specialist mindset. And those are some of the things that we're definitely starting to hear some whispers about. So good, really good points to think about. We'll talk a little bit about being a generalist and I would describe that as someone who's good at a lot of things, but maybe not great at any one thing. And someone who's capable of wearing many hats. And sort of my initial impression to this was, as a, as a generalist, you could actually be a pretty great entrepreneur. Because the whole point of being an entrepreneur is to hire people around you who are good at various skill sets. Whether it's like law or accounting or marketing or sales not to do it all yourself, but rather to bring a team on to help you with those things that you're not so good at. And I think even Robert Kiyosaki talks about that. Not to say that he's not a smart guy. I'm sure he is, but he just says, I bring on people that are smarter than me to handle those parts of the business that I know nothing about. And so I think there's, there's potential there as a generalist. If you know enough of the right things, not just random things, you could, you could leverage that skill set to, to be a strong entrepreneur. You got it, man. To be a journalist, I think you have to be the person with the idea and then hire the people that know more than you, right? And that's exactly what uh, uh, Henry Ford did, right? Mm. You know, he wanted to, uh, he, you know, he went in, he built a car, but he wanted to build a better engine, you know, and he didn't necessarily know how to build a better engine himself. So what he did was he hired the people and he only hired the people that said they could do the job. As soon as someone says, you know, it's impossible, he's like, all right, you're out, I'm going to hire somebody else, right? Because he needed a job done. He wasn't looking for a, uh, a no guy. He was looking for a yes guy or girl, right? So, um, uh, that's what he wanted and, and he knew he wasn't you know he didn't have the knowledge on how to do it he didn't really maybe understand the exact you know how that engine was working exactly and how all the components work together but he knew that it could be done because if you could build a two-cylinder he knew he could build a I think it was a 12-cylinder in, in this example right and and that's exactly what they did and this is exactly why we have all these powerful cars nowadays as well because uh, the dream of a guy that was a generalist 
used, but he used people who had special techniques and understanding to be able to give him what he wanted. Yeah. Some of the strengths of a general list in a workplace, like you think about clerical workers, admin workers, could be a receptionist or a personal assistant. Their job isn't just to greet people as they walk in and hand them name tags or answer calls all day. More often than not, they are handling basic accounting, data entry, maybe even some blogging or some marketing pieces. When it comes to personal assistants, they're probably even handling bookings and schedules and calendars and email. So, you know, you can see why people would like a good generalist worker in their business. You know, Wayne Dyer said he ran his entire business off of a one PA. I mean, that's, that's amazing to me, right? So that's totally a possibility depending on, on the kind of business that, that you're running, like between him writing books, doing presentations and between his assistant handling probably most booking, scheduling, podcast, whatever engagements that he had, he could run pretty much in his entire business. Right. You know, without getting too deep into the conversation, but you're right. You know, if we look at presidents and prime ministers, you know, they always have assistants as well that know a lot more than they do based on what's going on. Right. Because uh, as a person who's running a company, you know, a CEO and, and or a president or prime minister, you can't know everything. You can't have that. But so you need a right team around you so you can, you know, get the, the things that you need done, done. Right. So that's why we see VPs at companies and VPs of marketing and VPs of advertising and VP of uh, um, human resources and whatnot, right? All the different departments that are needed to run the business well, right? And and the CEO of these companies has entrusted all these people uh, to do it because they know they don't have the time or maybe the knowledge uh, to do all these things, right? And that's something my dad taught me as well, right? Just from personal experience, one thing my dad always told me was uh, to know a little bit about a lot of different things or right. to know a little bit about everybody, right? So because when you were when I talk to somebody, it's an easy way for me to connect if I knew, uh, you know, just some general information about a lot of different topics. So this is why, you know, this show, Using Your Power, has uh, such a wide range of audience because we can reach a lot of people based on the topics we talk about. We're not just focused on one single special topic, right? Yeah. Not there's anything wrong with it, but I personally feel that there's a lot of people out there that are wondering things about a lot of different topics, and that's what uh, David and I are looking to do, right? Cover a lot of different topics uh, so we can really get a nice variety of uh, perspectives on what's really happening. I love it. And some of the downsides of being like a generalist in the workplace, one of them is is that you are pretty re- replaceable. Anybody can kind of learn those skills pretty quickly. It's not like they need really extensive training to do basic data entry or how to answer a phone or how to greet a guest when they walk in the door. These kinds of things can also be taught to anyone. And I think the other risks that are that are present with being a specialist are kind of the same with being a generalist as well your automation software applications ai robots all that kind of st- stuff also factors into the generalist's role you know i think maybe I don't think we'll ever come to the point or maybe we will for a while, but then realize it's dumb, which is answer our phones with robots all the time. I think, you know, that having that human touch is, is something we just need in, in business. And, I, and that's one of the things that will forever be necessary. But 
many businesses do outsource the customer support, right, to overseas countries. And, uh, you know, many companies also, the, their customer service reputation goes way down because because <laughs> the support is not at the level that you, that customers have come to expect. Right. And they don't understand the culture either that the customer is phoning from. So they don't really know how to answer those questions. You know, I know me and you will just say, hello, my name is Chris. Yeah. And we'll, we'll joke <laughs> about it. But that's kind of, you know, what it is. Sometimes you'll see more yeah. and more people are obviously, um, you know, companies are utilizing people from my back home country, India, and to, you know, have a lot of these call centers at. But you'll also see that more and more companies are moving call centers somewhat back to their home country because they understand that, you know, having somebody who understands the English language, who understands where the customer is coming from and their perspective is worth a lot more uh, to, to a future value of a customer than having somebody uh, answer the phone that really may not understand. You know, they, their customer service might be outstanding and wonderful, but they may not be able to connect to the customer as the customer is expecting um, to be connected to, right? Uh, and some of the other things that you kind of brought up and, and made me think about too was, you know, I think the people who have um, a specialist kind of a thought process are typically going to be your managers, the CEOs, because they really understand. I find generalists, if I was going to put it in a hierarchy, would probably be your employees, Right. You know, they're, you know, and and not saying anything bad against employees or managers. But I find that if you're if you have an employee mindset, sometimes you don't really come with major skills. Right. They're usually very general skills on how to get a job done. And I'm not talking about everybody. I'm just obviously talking as a generalization of of our society. Right. If I was looking at a, a breakdown of 400 million people in North America, that's kind of what I'm saying. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times people who are in generalist type jobs also work minimal wage, right? Uh, do minimum right. wage activities as well. You know, we can see that when we look at the statistics of how much money people are making, right? The people who own the businesses typically make more money than their employees. So that can be seen there as well. And, you know, I think the the uh, generalists also live an average life. And, you know, what an average life is, I don't know. I mean, to me, an average life is much different to than to you even, David, right? Uh, an average life to you might be uh, an ex- uh, a tremendous life to me, right? So it's very different on how we yeah. look at that. So uh, I do put that in quotations and, you know, put some, uh, take that with a grain of salt. But I do like what you said about generalists being really great at re- relating to people. If you know a little bit about a lot, then you can often find some kind of point of connection between people. You know, I've, I've sometimes come on the, these episodes and said, oh, I hate sports and I don't want to talk about it. But, you know, there are, there are times also when I quiz and just kind of go with the flow of the conversation and do my best to participate anyway. And, and I think that's what, you know, generalists are good at, at least with human connection, is finding something they can be excited about with some, the, other, the other person, something the other person is also interested in and excited about and wanting to discuss. So I think that's that's a great point as well. For sure. You know, and before the, the advancements we've had in social media and computers and whatnot, you know, you always would hear stuff like uh, the six degrees of separation, right? Mm-hmm. And I think uh, knowing a little bit about a lot allows you to connect to more people with that now with Facebook and Twitter and the ability, to, you know, and all the other social media platforms, uh, you know, I think that six degrees of separations has definitely shrunk a little bit. You're able to maybe try to connect to people, um, you know, 
uh, a lot quicker. But I think the six de uh, degrees of separation still has its place because uh, just because you're able to tweet somebody doesn't mean they're going to message you, right? No. Nope. Having that personal introduction is always going to work a lot better for you. So it is a great idea to know a little bit about a lot or know a little bit about a lot of people who can then eventually connect you in the right direction. And that's where networking comes in, in, into play and I think is so important. Awesome. I'd like to move into hybrid now. Now, this is a category that you might not have even thought of when you think of specialist generalists, because most conversations that I think are happening online are are about those two things without really addressing what what a hybrid is. I think forward-thinking people are thinking about that, but maybe just aren't, aren't bringing it up. We'll define hybrid as somebody who is excellent at a few things, but is also good at other related things. I actually think of myself as a hybrid, and that might come as a surprise to some people. <laughs> On a very granular level, I may be really great at like guitar and writing, but I'm good at a lot of ancillary things that have to do with those things. Like with guitar, I can also play electric guitar. I can also play bass, ukulele, mandolin, pretty much anything with strings and frets. You know, I can tweak an amp to sound really good. I can record myself. I can engineer an album or a single. And with writing, I'm also decent at graphics. I'm pretty good with WordPress. I'm pretty good with building websites. So there's all those other ancillary, you know, skill sets that come in to kind of make me, uh, you know, as a person, as a whole. I'm also pretty good at Illustrator. Not great. I'm never going to call myself the best, you know, artist in the world, but I can draw as well. Right. You know, and you bring some good uh, examples too, you know, because um, in music, I mean, you're unique yourself, right? You, you can only, only you can do what you do in music, right? Uh, other people can't play with like you and because you did record the introduction to this uh, episodes as well, right? So, I mean, it took us a while to figure out exactly the sound we wanted. We had to find something that, uh, you know, made sense for something we both connected to, but we also found was high energy and could bring that message to our, our listeners as well, right? Yeah. Um, you know, am I a hybrid? I'm not too sure, right? I've always considered myself somebody who's knowledgeable on many different topics, uh, but not exactly a professional um, speaker in any of those topics either, right? Yeah. I know I look at someone like uh, James. I know you turned me on to James Shremko and Think, Act, Get, and I've been listening to his stuff. And I mean, the things he says make sense, right? You know, learn it yourself and then you know, develop the process, teach that process and, you know, make sure the person's doing that process correctly and then walk away and let that person do that process. Yeah. And, and then you don't have to have your hands in it anymore. Right. And obviously he can still take a look at it, make sure things are still being done. He still has his checks and bounces in place. I'm sure just to make sure that the quality is not dropping off at any sort of point, but he's not having his hands in it anymore. Right. So he, he went from being the specialist and a generalist to being, I think a hybrid, right where he was, he could still have his hands there. He can still jump in and, you know, make the WordPress changes if he needs to. Uh, he can also, you know, um, find the people, you know, if uh, that he needs to have for his, to grow his business if he hasn't already delegated that out. Yeah, I think uh, James is kind of a specialist in business. And then he's been developing his ability as a, as a surfer as well. So, <laughs> you know, he gets out there a lot. I'm sure he'll continue to develop that skill to where he is a specialist as, as a surfer as well. But you're right, you know, he, he teaches others how to do the things that he wants them to do, things that maybe aren't his strengths, things he simply does not want to do, things he wants to automate, delegate, eliminate, all that kind of stuff falls under that category of things his team handles or just nobody handles 
Right. And, you know, I do like the idea of being a hybrid because I find the hybrid takes the best of both worlds of being a specialist and a generalist and combines them into, a, you know, a hybrid personality or mm. almost like becomes the robot themselves. Right. They uh, not saying that we're uh, humans or robots, but, you know, I think the hybrid gains the knowledge that the, the, they need. You know, they apply it to their work, like, you know, kind of like what James does in this example. Uh, you know, he works with the right people. He teaches it. He understands it. And then he just leaves it. Right. And I, I do love that about that and he's able to pass the work to others where he can take time off to go surf like you're saying right which yep. is kind of interesting and he doesn't have to worry about it right I know listen to some of the older episodes of Think Act Get uh, he does say you know he was in a, he's been to countries where you know the, there was no internet and no Wi-Fi mm-hmm. and he's not able to check on the process of his business and he really has to trust other people to do that job so if he hadn't you know uh, taken that time to understand what his business needs to look like and then teach it to other people he would have to be in there constantly and really have his fingers in there and really have to you know uh, you know upload you know uh blogs or podcasts and really yep. keep doing all the work himself where now he, he could walk away and say hey you know what you do it um and and he can then go do the things he really wants to go do i've heard from a lot of business owners that that's basically the true test of whether or not your systematization has worked is leaving your business maybe for two weeks at first and seeing if your team handles everything and then increasingly longer periods of time, maybe over the course of the next two or three years. And if everything is humming and moving along and your employees are handling those systems and updating those systems as necessary. And I think James' team is to the point where they hire on somebody new without him being involved in it whatsoever. Like if you're at that point, you know that your business is is definitely humming along. Yeah, absolutely. If you can step away from your business and other people are making the right decisions for your business, that's amazing, right? And you know, I know that's what... Um CEOs do sometimes, right? They they hire managers for that exact reason for their businesses, right? Uh, big or small, right? They they don't necessarily want the business to own them forever, right? They want to start a business, they want to get everything put in place, right? Just like you you know you've done as a as a uh, as an entrepreneur, no different, right? I know you're kind of in that place right now. I'm in the place where I'm just starting off. You're kind of in that place where now you're looking to collaborate with other people and start finding ways to take a little bit more off your plate so you can add different things to your plate instead of you know doing the same things over and over and over again right so i'm excited to see kind of where that takes you because it's allowed me to see where i'll be able to also go right so it's kind of uh watching you take those steps and then just falling behind you and you know wherever that course correction needs to be i know you'll do it because you've learned from uh the ideas of how a specialist works you learned how those general ideas work and now you've been able to i think become a hybrid um learner not just a you know um person absolutely right and i also want to say that while you can become a generalist more or less on autopilot becoming a specialist or a hybrid is very much on purpose it doesn't happen by accident you don't just become good at something by not pursuing it like if there's something that you're particularly excited about then i think you will naturally gravitate towards becoming a specialist so you can spend more of your time doing that thing but either category requires effort so it's not just going to happen on its own absolutely and you know you look at something like sports i think that's probably 
one of the best analogies we can yeah. use because, you know, to become Michael Jordan, he had to be in the gym constantly, right? He had to shoot those free throws. He had to practice and practice and, and he had to continue to show up day in, day out, good game, bad game. And he had to take those important shots. He had to miss, he had to hit them and he had to keep going, right? He didn't stop. He, he didn't just say, you know what, I'm going to show up to the tryouts and they're going to put me on and I'm going to make the NBA. No, he had to have a process of something he had to do every day. You know, I heard Tiger Woods at the mm. at the peak of his career, you know, when he was first starting off though as a child, he would take the exact same shot over and over and over again till he understood that that's the type of pressure he needs to hit the ball with in order to get it close or get it into the hole and then move the foot back and would try the and do the exact same drop shot or the same you know chip shot or whatever and 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 practice that with a whole bucket of balls and he would try from all different locations and he would do that before six o'clock sometimes before most people even woke up so he had the dedication to to be able to do that right so I know if we use sports analogies a lot of people can uh, definitely um, you know connect with. Yeah. And like even in business, like some of the most successful business people failed three or four times or sometimes more before they arrived at the business that they're doing today, the one that became a big hit that became successful. So we can sort we can sort of, you know, use the same extend the same analogy into business as well. I think it works great in terms of like content, because that's a form of marketing. And you could see every blog post or every podcast episode or every video you put out as an experiment. Uh, you know, it's just you getting up to bat to see what happens. You know, you're going to give your best effort, obviously, but you don't know if that thing's going to go viral. And I don't think that should be anybody's goal anymore is to go viral, but rather to engage and connect and to create something valuable that people, and then it will get shared, right? Once it's, once it's something that people really want. So we go up to bat and we see what happens. Right. And I love the idea that you brought with social media, because that's something that uh, a lot of us are using, you know, almost everybody. I forgot what the numbers were. And, and there's hundreds of millions of people using social media. Basically, there's two billion or nearly two billion on Facebook at this point. Wow. So, you know, you have to decide as a business owner or someone who's just participating in using the social media for not business, really decide which one of those social media platforms make more sense for you, right? So yep. if you're a business owner, you're probably going to become a specialist in one or two of those um, platforms and really focus on growing your business with that. If you're a generalist, you're probably going to use, you know, three, four, maybe all, all, all of them to, you know, try to connect. So you might use Facebook and you might use Snapchat and then Instagram and Twitter and, and, you know, try to post the same pictures and see what happens. Right. Um, but you're not really trying to find a place where your audience is. If you're a business owner, if you're doing that, you're really just a generalist and just trying to see what happens. Right. It's just like, uh, I think, what is it called? Uh, shooting, uh, ducks in a barrel, wearing a, a blindfold, right? You may, <laughs> or may not hit something you don't know. Right. So, um, but being a hybrid, I think it's understanding how to use all of those techniques techniques and, and looking at people who have um, done what you're trying to accomplish, right? So yep. like we're talking about uh, Neil Patel, for example, you know, going through what he's done, reading his uh, articles and then doing what his articles are saying step by step. And, and uh, you know, some of the other people, I think you were talking about James uh, Altucher yeah. uh, as well. And you showed me an article that he did uh, and, and he kind of does the same thing and really shows you what makes sense and what doesn't make sense and, and following those uh, specific um, rules I guess, if you want to say, and what kind of results you will get if you do follow it. 
Yeah. It might have even been Brian Dean's article that, that I showed you because it is kind of similar to the Neil Patel style. But like you, Mav, I've done the same thing where I read something and then said, hmm, let's try this out. And then, you know, spent the next three hours just doing the thing that, that Neil Patel, you know, suggests you do to improve your blog or your social media presence or whatever it is that you're doing. Or maybe it's even target audience research and that kind of thing. The one thing we, we have to be careful of is there's so many prompts in our lives, whether it's like emails we receive or even the blogs that we regularly read that tell us to go and do things. But meanwhile, as business owners, we need to be the ones sending out those emails, giving those prompts to people, giving those suggestions to others. And so we can't get too, like, I think we have to keep learning. Learning should be ongoing, but we, we also have to take the time deliberately in our schedule to create those prompts, those suggestions, those call to actions as well. Absolutely. Well said. And, you know, um, the other thing I was thinking about, too, is, you know, just because you can go online and, you know, uh, for example, go, how do I make my Instagram, you know, how do I get more followers on Instagram? You know, just because you're going to find an article that tells you and it's from, let's say, a prominent blogger on the Internet doesn't mean that it's going to work for you necessarily because they're just telling you what worked for them, yep. right? And it's a general idea of what could also work for you. But you, like you said it perfectly, there's also probably emails that they've sent to their uh, email list and their subscriber list. And there's, you know, products that they've sold as well on top of that. And they've been able to connect maybe through comments, you know, something that we've always uh, asked our listeners to do as well, right? Con- uh, you know, yep. connect with us as well because we'd love to hear what you think uh, and, and what you have to say and, and on the show. So uh, you have to understand what they're goals are and how those goals if any do make sense with you or not Mm -hmm. like youtube is something that i'm studying quite a bit as of late because i do intend to write a guide on the subject but yeah i'm not satisfied with easy answers that i've heard over and over and over applied across every other social media or every other blog or every other website and online strategy that i've already read about or, or seen so you know it's about digging deeper into the tips the suggestions the numbers the stats and then arriving at some conclusions that will actually be helpful to the people who i develop that guide for and so, you know, I, I want to have actionable things. I want to have valuable things. I want to have things that, that, peop- that help people go from, you know, not having any subscribers or engagement to getting some subscribers and engagement and hopefully being able to scale that with time. So providing those kinds of tips, you know, sometimes it's just blanket statements, like you said, things that maybe work for them, but will not be uh, applicable to everybody. Right. And, you know, I like the idea of processing it because you're looking at what you're doing with, you know, a lot of this uh, YouTube, you upload all our videos uh, or all our um, podcasts to um, YouTube, right? So it's nice because you're able to process it now and look at that, uh, you know, what kind of uh, results we're getting, what kind of comments we're getting, likes and and unlikes as well or not likes. So uh, it's kind of neat. So you're looking at that process and then saying, you know, what did I do or what did we do to grow that, you know, from one listener on episode one to, you know, maybe be hundreds of listeners by the time we're you know a whole bunch of episodes in right so uh, i know i haven't checked our stats but i think the last time we checked is i think we had close to if not over 100 listeners for episode one which is kind of cool you know uh for being a brand new uh podcast not doing a lot of uh advertisement right now you know we're just kind of really looking at our own uh 
uh, low-hanging fruit, I'll call it, right? We're looking at our friends and on Facebook and we're doing a little bit of Twitter and a little bit of more uh, Facebook. We're not really out there, you know, buying Facebook ads and stuff like that right. to uh, generate our um, listenership right now. We're really trying to make it organic and, you know, going to the people that are the easiest people for us to connect with because our friends are the people that understand us the most and want to know uh, kind of what we're thinking as well and what we're what we're going through and talking about and, and we're asking them to ha- help spread that message as well. I think our strategy will become more refined. Obviously, we both have some restrictions in our lives as far as existing commitments and work that we need to do. But yeah, I think in time, we'll begin to figure out kind of the channels that work for us, the platforms that we want to leverage to market our business, and, and the things that end up being most most effective. Because we could, and we are going to talk about this in a future episode about traffic and driving traffic to your blog or podcast or, or your website, not everything works for everybody. And we could go, you know, if you started listing off the channels, the marketing channels that exist, we could go endlessly on and on about different things that exist. And then as you know, the communication begins to break down because different people have different terms and terminology to describe different things, even though we might be talking about the, the, the same thing. So that's where it, it can really break down and, and get harder to define. But we are going to talk about that in a future episode as well. But I think that those are some of the things that we're going to begin to to figure out. Right on. Uh, just kind of moving along, I'd like to maybe introduce something a little different. Um, I had a whole bunch of points written down, and maybe I'd like to introduce each point to you and maybe get your thoughts uh, as it pertains to you know being a specialist, a journalist, or a hybrid. So okay. first one is health. Health as it pertains to specialist, generalist, or hybrid. Yeah. Okay. So I think somebody who is a generalist in the health could maybe be categorized as somebody who is aware of some of the basic things they can do to take care of themselves, such as sleep, such as working out, such as eating well, maybe even meditating or or taking care of themselves in, in other ways that aren't just physical, but probably hasn't apply that in a, in a larger scale. Maybe they're spending five minutes a day on each of those activities or, well, hopefully they're sleeping more than five minutes, <laughs> but let's just say they're getting a good amount of each, but maybe not enough to like get fit or maybe to be even to be like really super healthy. They're healthy, but maybe not that healthy. So that would probably describe somebody who's a generalist when it comes to health in specialist, we could probably say it's somebody who who focuses in, too intently on just one thing. That could be like uh, lifting weights. So they spend all their time when they're working out lifting weights. And we all, you know, us guys, we love lifting weights. But <laughs> if that's the only thing that you do, we often end up with uh, a condition called chicken legs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's important to focus on cardio as well, right? Especially yeah, when you focus on your health. Cardio. Absolutely. Yeah. And then I think, you know, we're kind of painting this picture that that hybrid is the best, but I I feel like that probably is the case when it comes to health as well, in the sense that you're specializing in a few of those things that are really helping you and you're getting results from, and maybe cutting off the 80% that, you know, with the 80-20 world, you're cutting off the 80% that isn't getting you much results or isn't benefiting you in the way that you hope. So you're probably not in perfect peak physical condition or anything like that, but you're doing enough of the right things to get some of the results that you're looking for. Right. And I think a hybrid, uh, the way I look at it is um, someone who 
has done has taken something from all right so to have good peak health you have to have a good diet you have to you know maybe work out and and you know do the cardio like you said and don't just don't get those yeah. chicken legs right so it's a hybrid to me as someone who does all the necessary things to be in the peak health that they want to be in right so uh, it's taking uh, you know a little bit from all aspects uh, and then incorporate it into a plan and then work in that plan every day right yeah. you know if it's 30 minutes in the gym or 20 minutes on the stepper or you know um, you know they say abs are built in the kitchen right you know right. it's not just doing sit-ups they're built in the kitchen it's eating the right food and cutting out the sugar so to me and you know looking at that is someone i do like the idea of being a hybrid right and, and i think for me i'm somewhere in that generalist to hybrid i think you're probably in that specialist to hybrid range right um yeah, again it's yep. hard to say some things i might be more of a specialist and some things i may not be right so if it looks like to things that i've uh, you know we've places we've worked i've worked in a lot of different jobs so you know if i'm looking at a conversation and having them with with different people you know if i worked in insurance for six years so if someone asked me information on that i would consider myself a specialist in that versus a generalist you know but if i've never worked in uh, textile industry for example i would consider myself more of a generalist because i have a, a good idea but i don't really know the nuts and bolts of how it works right that makes sense yeah yeah so i guess the next one this one's a little bit different i mean you don't have to go through specialist generalist or hybrid you can if you want i'm not going to stop you okay uh the looking at the idea of the next generation coming up and maybe taking away uh jobs well so we have a bit of an issue right because we have the millennials coming in and wanting to basically they are going to become the primary workforce in a short amount of time if they aren't already. And millennials are looking for job security, but some of the higher level managers or executives aren't really aware of this, so they don't offer it. And so there's sort of that vicious cycle going on where, you know, millennials are endlessly searching for job security, but they have this reputation of job hopping, but that's only because they're actually looking for a job where that security is indeed offered. So we have, we have kind of that vicious cycle happening. You know, millennials want more flexibility, so they want to be able to work from home. And I, I think I totally agree with that. They could probably be more productive uh, as opposed to the office. There are some jobs that absolutely require your presence at times, but there's so many desk jobs that don't require the amount of time that that they're asking their their employees to put in, you know. So so those are some of the factors that that are beginning to affect the workforce. Also, you know, they want clear boundaries. So like a w- proper work life balance. They want work to be work, and they want play to be play. And that's something that's that's been missing in large part. In the you know, we have so much emphasis on hustle and grinding. And, and working long hours and sacrifice, 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 which leads to no work-life balance. And, and people in this generation want more of that. Right on. And you know, I think something that goes hand in hand to what we were just talking about uh, with the next generation that's coming up is the changing of technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think we'll, we may need high-level IT people, right, with the cloud, with big data, with with blockchain some of the things that are coming much of it could maybe be automated we'll see what happens but for the time being i think we we need qualified it people who are willing to learn to grow to communicate with different departments which is tough right because like if you're a geek and you're, you're a geek <laughs> through and through and i mean just painting a stereotype i guess but like sometimes they're not the best at uh, communicating like they might be really smart in expressing their thoughts but they what about expressing your thoughts in a way that other people understand it's just like what we talked about being a teacher teacher is somebody who's capable of breaking things down and explaining in a way that people can understand at a baseline level 
Right. You know, uh, the idea of being a geek, I think I love it because the millennials are changing our, our thinking of what an accountant should be. You know, we think of an yeah. accountant as somebody wearing a pocket protector, you know, glasses, a tie, a suit and tie and going to work and doing their job stressed out. But, you know, the millennials are saying, you know, well, we'll be an accountant, but I want to still go have fun. I want to go enjoy myself. I want to come to work. I want to be able to interact. I don't want to just sit in a cubicle all day. I want to kind of, you know, do all these different things, but, and still be successful. So I like that because they're kind of uh, breaking the norms that you know, that our parents' generation or even before that uh, kind of set as standards that we are slowly starting to break as well. You know, I was in a mastermind and I was chatting with somebody that was looking to build kind of a financial planning business specifically for millennials. And, and these were some of the exact things that I talked about. So often what we see in kind of the accounting and financial world is, is it, it's intimidating, right? You get some guy in a suit, you don't even know him. He's now talking to you about terms you don't understand. You're now signing on a contract that you don't fully comprehend. And then you're trusting him with all this money. You know, that's not universally how it how it works. I'm just saying that 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 can sometimes be the impression that you get when you first get into investing because it's it really can be kind of impersonal. So, the, some of the things that I suggested to him were were, were this very thing. You know what? You, I mean, more than ever, your generation is casual. How about ditching the suit and becoming more a casual brand? How about instead of talking about financial planning and some of these other terms that they use, freedom planning or independence planning or something that actually appeals to Generation Y, live the lifestyle you want, you know, something like that could work as a tagline or, you know, these aren't the best copywriting or marketing ideas, but you get you get where I'm going with it. It's connecting to people, right? And I think that's exactly what you're saying. If you're going to be working with a bunch of 20-year-olds, then talk like a 20 year old would talk yeah. to a 20 year old don't talk like what a 50 year old would talk to a 20 year old because no. as a 20 year old you're not going to get anywhere with that because then they, they think you're trying to sell them something you're trying to pull the, the wool over their you know over their eyes and stuff and they're just not excited about that so if you're in that age group then be in that age group and, and connect to the people in that age group the way they want to be and I think that's so important right and I think going to the t- suit and tie idea I was actually laughing <laughs> to myself um, you know I think we we ex- think the people who wear suit and ties and this is not a, this is again a general uh, categorization it's not exactly true to everybody but we feel people who wear a suit and tie know more than us so we should trust them automatically right. you know especially growing up you know uh i remember w- watching a lot of my teachers wear a tie and a suit and i you know i thought that was what a professional dress like and then going into the professional world uh, Sometimes I did see that and sometimes I didn't, right? You know, I incorporated the suit and tie with the teacher to the suit and tie of the CEO. So, you know, somewhere in my mind, I felt, oh, you know, if my teacher could teach me then how to be this person, because that's how that teacher was dressing. But then later I learned that was not necessarily true because the teacher was working and the CEO was independent and started a job, uh, you know, sort of their own business, sorry, not a job. So uh, even though they look the same, they're really doing two completely different things. So you have to really understand the position of the person you're speaking with. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that person may be a specialist or generalist or may not be. And I'm definitely not saying don't be professional, right? And also, you know, millennials actually do like work hard and they're very tech savvy. So like there are some advantages to hiring and bringing on millennials within, within your company as well. And it's just being aware of what their mindset is and how they're working. Cause I mean, they grew up basically seeing this global recession. Do they really want to experience that again? No, that's, that's not on their docket. So that's one of the reasons why they're looking for that, that security. Wow. I like that. You know, that made me think about that. You're right. Cause I've never thought that in that way, but you, 
you know, millennials have grown up always being in a recession. That is a very yeah. interesting point, David. I never thought of that. And you're right, you know, and, and, and that's why these articles make sense when, you know, some of these business articles saying that, you know, millennials aren't investing in the stock market as, you know, as they'd like them to, right? So who are they? You know, we'll get into that conversation <laughs> when we start talking about the I uh, wouldn't bankers. be investing in it either. Right. So we'll, so we'll get into that conversation and, and why that is, it may be a good idea or might be a bad idea, right? Again, you have to decide what you're going to do with your money. We're not financial advisors, yeah. but we are people who have... Uh, you know, read enough, looked at the markets ourselves, have delved into the markets and decided what's good and what's not good for us and based on the experience of other people, right? I mean, that's the best, one of the best ways to continue learning and learn from people who say that it is a good or a bad idea, right? But when the millennials are saying, you know, um, I, I remember working at an insurance company a little while back, uh, maybe about five years ago now. Um, but, you know, I remember working with a lot of 20 year olds and I felt sometimes they felt like, uh, I owed them something or, you know, corporate Canada or corporate yeah. United States owed them something. And, you know, uh, I don't think the job owes you anything, you know, other than you doing a good job for that company and then the job agrees to pay you, right? That's what they owe you. That's all they've agreed upon. They haven't agreed that they're going to babysit you. They're not going to, you know, you want to go party. I'm not putting, I'm not trying to dump on millennials. That's not what I'm saying at all. But, you know, I think every single person has to hold themselves to a higher standard. That's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say, right? So yeah, it doesn't matter what age you are. The sooner you can learn that, the better off you'll be. Yeah, I think we shared about it in an episode on entitlement. So that might be something to have a listen to as, as well. Because, you know, not everybody that that hasn't put in the work to earn those privileges is is necessarily deserving of them. And that, that type of thinking can negatively affect how you perceive the world and, and the things you do to get to where you want to go. Did you have any other categories, Smith? Absolutely. I just have a couple of more. I mean, these are kind of, uh, we can still kind of do the same thing. We can go through these a little quicker together, uh, you know, but tr tr travel, uh, you know, what do you think about travel and how that uh, pertains to being a, learning how to be a specialist, a generalist or a hybrid? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of generalists where we live who say they've never gone outside of Alberta or BC. So if you fall into that category, it doesn't matter what uh, province or state or country, I would encourage you to go to a country outside of where, where you've been, outside of your comfort zone. People often say they gain perspective from that, and, and that's definitely the case. But <laughs> there's, there's such a narrow perspective that sometimes comes from not having seen, seen the world. So if that, what is what you, if that describes you and you're a generalist in the, in the realm of travel, then at least make it a priority to see a different part of the world completely and explore it for yourself. Right. You know, I do like the idea of also maybe traveling with different people. Maybe, you know, if you have the opportunity to travel, it's not something that, you know, uh, everybody on this planet can do. You know, there are over 3 billion people who cannot have those luxuries. So if you do have the luxury of uh, being able to travel, then, you know, try to travel with different people. Maybe travel alone one country, travel with one person to another, a different person to another country and see, you know, what your how different your experiences are as well. Because every single person that you travel with is going to, one, provide you a different experience uh, is also going to teach you things about yourself that you maybe never knew right so uh, it is a different uh, way to get some perspective on yourself and you know um, and see what really the world can make you mm -hmm. what else what else you got Matt uh, how about reading and podcasting or reading and listening to audio programming right so like you're talking about the consumption of information basically exactly Okay. Is it a good idea or a bad idea pertaining to our, our three uh, subtitles there? 
I think it's a good idea, no matter what category you fall under. Go back to episode one, personal development. Is it for everyone? Yes. That's our answer. So I, I feel like, you know, to say otherwise would be would be kind of crazy or schizophrenic. But look, you know, specialist has obviously done a ton of study, you know, it, whether it's reading, listening to podcasts, watching videos, talking to mentors, going to school, going to courses and classes, you know, there's so many things. Maybe it's like real life experience in a job or real life experience performing on stage. All those kinds of things lend to who they are and and why they're now a specialist. You know, a generalist can read widely and grow as a generalist if that's your your goal. Or you could also work towards that that hybrid by studying more into one specific area and investing more of your time because you're already fairly versed generally. Might as well grow that in some way and and choose a topic doesn't matter what it is could be leadership business productivity but find something fairly niche and just go for it and then you can you can become a good hybrid solid hybrid that way right on you know one of the things that i i like about media and i don't i know we don't really say a lot of good things about media unfortunately on this show but there are some good things about media right and one of the things i do like about it is that media does teach you uh, a variety of different topics right so you can then choose which one you want to uh, study more on right and you can also decide if you want to consume that study by going to the library and picking up books or picking up audio or watching uh you know, Netflix and stuff like that. And, and, you know, using a variety of different ways to get that education and delving deeper into the topics you want to learn about, you know, and, and I'm going to pose this question back to you as, as well, David, what do you think uh, about people who say, you know, uh, I only like to learn about this one particular topic? Do you suggest that they maybe learn a little bit about more topics? Or do you feel that they should be specific and only learn about that one topic? Well, I guess it, it depends on the person and how heartfelt they are in asking asking the question. But let's let's say they're looking for my counseling or mentorship or looking for direction from me. I, I would say, you know, we, we would first kind of exor- examine and explore that topic together and see if it's something that is still going to be relevant five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years down the line. That would that would be one of the qualifiers I feel that would be extremely in, important in de- determining their future and what prospects are available to them now. That's another thing we would also explore together and see, okay, so you've got a good number of opportunities or we might look and say, you have no opportunities and you spent 15 years doing this. I think it's time that you you moved on. So we would explore it from a few different angles. Mav, it wouldn't just be one dimensional thinking, but in general, and, and this is very being very, very generalized, yes, I would encourage them to study other topics. Right on. You know, I love the way you think because a lot of the way you um, attack something is very similar to the way I do. I'm a very systematic as well, right? right. So uh, you're right. I would almost look at them as a, if I was their psychiatrist as well and sit them down and ask them questions to first understand why they choose to only learn one way or learn one topic and then really find ways to, uh, you know, connect it to things that I can first understand about them and then have them understand about themselves, right? Because sometimes it could be just something holding them back. Someone told them that they weren't uh, good at this, so they choose not to study 
certain things, right? So it's really understanding where that um, that's blockage or stoppage is, and then helping them break through that, and then going and uh, finding different ways. And I think as a as a general answer as well, absolutely. I think people who know more about uh, different topics typically end up having more enriched conversations as well, right? I know uh, I, I'm not the most knowledgeable person when it comes to sports. I do know a little bit, or I do know enough to get myself into a good conversation. But if someone starts asking me stats and all these type of things, I wouldn't be able to keep up, right? Uh, I leave those uh, that kind of stuff for the person who wants to be a specialist uh, in that type of topic, right? But I'll I'll watch, you know, the you know the sports highlights sometimes at the end of the night, not always, uh, you know, but just to kind of see what's kind of going on and kind of get an idea of you know what kind of uh, stuff will my friends be talking about when I do sit down and meet with them because we're not always going to be talking business. We're not going to be always talking about uh, you know. Um, how to grow and be a better person you know sometimes we are just going to be talking about general stuff as well and and i guess just in case somebody's thinking i'm going to be a sports star and i'm not saying you're not maybe you are well on your way to achieving that but even somebody that's like a sports star uh here's an example of something that that you should be aware of you know in wrestling there's there's kane who's like quote unquote undertaker's brother i can't remember his <laughs> i can't remember his real name right now maybe i'll look it up while you're talking there mav but uh uh, he basically, he, he decided that he would have a strong plan B, which is smart in wrestling, but honestly, it's smart in any sport because we know that retirement age is pretty young in hockey. Even in baseball or basketball, might go a little bit longer, but maybe only a few years. Even if you're making you know a million per year or in the high six figures, ultimately that could you know that that needs to last you your lifetime unless you have because you're probably not going to get another career that's going to pay you on the same scale. It's going to be radically reduced. You might even go down to five figures depending on the job that you now take on. So you have to live a completely different lifestyle than you were you were ultimately used to. So he he decided his plan B was studying investing and he decided to get really really good at investing his money and doing well and that side of things he was even on an episode with with James Aldacher talking about this very thing so I think anybody that that's thinking we know one track mind and I'm going to be able to do that forever maybe not have a backup plan wow that's very smart because you know if if, um, you look at the history of uh you know WWE or WWF depending on the generation you grew up in uh, you know you can see a lot of those superstars who you know look like they were making lots and lots of money um, but you know unfortunately they weren't really understanding on how to take care of that money they were making you know they got into drugs and and they may have uh, you know unfortunately taken their own lives or they got hurt in the ring and they couldn't perform and you know maybe they weren't the biggest star at the point you know they weren't Hulk Hogan he's lasted the test of time you know he's been able to do well for himself but you know looking at someone like um, I remember showing you this the Ugandan giant yeah. right Kamala the Ugandan giant first he wasn't even Ugandan he was from the United States but I mean looking at him and the way he grew up and and you know looking at his ultimate death and how that happened you know it was kind of sad to see that you know because he hadn't you know learned how to take care of himself and no one showed him kind of what he needs to do uh, when he joined the WWE at the time or WWF at the time um, you know what his life could look like you know not having that education really hurt him or someone like Kane who went in and and um then got the education and had something to fall back on because you can't take that knowledge away from him. That's right. And his his real name is Glenn Jacobs. So there you go. I mean, it's just, he could be a wrestler forever. I don't know if he's still wrestling or not, actually, or if he's still in, in the WWE ecosystem or, or not. But I mean, 
you know, Undertaker has obviously been, he's, what, he's 60, 70, something like that at this point. He's lasted the test of time, too. Yeah, exactly. So it's crazy. I mean, unlike Hulk Hogan, who can kind of barely move, it seems. (laughs) He's kept up his body, obviously. But (laughs) anyway, the the point being that, you know, these these are superstars. These are people we look up to. You need to look not just at their public life, but their private life. What are they doing to, you know, do they have a plan B? Have they thought about this? Is this something that they're preparing for? Are they thinking about their their future? I think those are the true uh, role models of our time. Absolutely, you know, and I think uh, just kind of uh, ending my last point off. Anyways, uh, if we look at the entertainers, I think are real good examples of people who diversify. You know, yes. we look at musicians; they typically go into movies. We, you know, we look at uh, even wrestlers right now. Um, look at someone like The Rock, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he knew he he probably doesn't want to be in the ring and uh, putting his body through that kind of punishment. You know, he's gone into acting as well, right? So, um, good or bad, you know, Dwayne Johnson is up to you to believe if he's a good or bad. But he's also uh, kept up his physique and he works out and he takes yep. care of himself and you know he knows that and he probably also uh i don't know probably has a other business as well i'm not too sure right uh i know in music for sure like you know look at different uh, hip-hop artists like jay-z for example he yeah. doesn't only just keep his money in music he also has moved it out of music and into his, you know uh, starting his own sports agency as well and being able to do that kind of stuff and uh title title exactly with the music and and just diversifying his brand right looking at someone like dr dre who uh has had the opportunity to have Beats and then have Apple buy that brand off him, uh, you know, I'm sure someone brought the Beats brand to him anyways and uh, po- pitched that idea to him, but he was smart enough to understand, hey, you know, this is a great idea. I don't necessarily want to produce music for the rest of my life. I want to be able to sit back and relax and enjoy the fruits of my labor, right? And that's exactly what I believe he's been able to do, uh, at least through music. Yeah. And to conclude my thoughts on this, when it comes to specialist, generalist, or hybrid, one is not universally more valuable than the other. It really seems to depend on the situation, whether that's an organization, a business, a community, a school, a church, or other setting that you can think of. But ultimately, we need both kinds of people or really all kinds of people in business, whether it's specialist, generalist, or hybrid, even in the workplace, we need all kinds of people. And Lev K, CEO of CredSpark, had an article on LinkedIn Pulse, and this was his conclusion, which is that he believes generalized specialists or generalizing specialists and specializing generalists will rule the future in the workplace. So those are my closing thoughts. This has been Using Your Power. You can find us online at usingyourpower.com, where we always encourage you to leave a comment because we look forward to interacting with you. So leave it on our website or even on our YouTube channel, and we'll be happy to connect with you and maybe even answer some questions or some topics that you'd like us to talk about in the future. Also, if you have a chance to take a look at the iTunes and leave a a five-star rating there too. That'd be great. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a nice day. (laughs) 